Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi. Welcome to Talking Sense, a podcast with me, Dr. Marta. I'm a clinical psychologist and every single week I answer one of your real life questions, offering you psychological understandings, ideas and suggestions to guide you. Before we begin, I like to take a moment to pause and think about something for you. This week, I want you to think about a moment when you're going to give yourself golden time. Golden time is something most of our children get at school or preschool. It's a moment in their day where they get to do what they like for a few minutes and it's their choice and it's protected. How often do you give yourself golden time? A time where you protect, you boundary it firmly and you get to do something you really enjoy. Doesn't have to be for very long, 15 minutes can be enough. If you've got more space in your week and you can fit in half an hour, go for it. Just try and protect golden time for you. And now, let's begin. This week's question is on children's loud voices and what we do with them. So let's have a listen. Hi, Dr. Martha. I would love to get your input on how to manage the volume of our children. They are three and four years old and no matter if they're interacting with each other or with adults, the intensity of their voices is always very high and perceived as loudness by us. We would love to let them be how they are without constant interference and limitation and yet the level of sound is often irritating and disturbing. How can we show them that they are heard and that there is no need of constant shouting? The symbolic volume control which we introduced does only work for seconds, if at all. Many thanks from Switzerland. Oh, yeah. Kids allowed. I think this is a fact. And if you're a parent with little ones, especially as close in age as three and four, I guess one of the first things I have to tell you is your kids are going to be loud, especially when they're together. Now, little ones are loud and it's not because they want to be heard. Of course, they want to be heard. But it's not because they don't think you're listening to them. Kids are loud because they don't know how to modulate their voice, which is about the ability to learn how to change our tone of voice in different circumstances. As adults, we know how to do that and it feels so easy because we have completely forgotten that actually for a long period of our life, during our childhood, we couldn't do this. And teaching children that there are different voices that they can have, there's an inside voice and an outside voice, a loud booming voice and a little whisper like a mouse, takes a lot of time. So Although this question is asking for strategies, I'm going to be really honest here and now, and I'm going to give you some ideas, don't worry, but there is no one strategy that's going to work consistently 
all the time because it's about development, which is about children getting old enough to be able to change their vocal tone and the sound of their voice. And it's about practice. So the more your children practice, the better they will get at this. And some of that has to come from you. And it's not about just interfering when they're being really loud or getting in the way. It's about learning that teaching your children to have loud, medium and quiet tones of voice is a skill that you have to teach them and guide them through. Children will eventually learn this, not completely by themselves, but because they go to school. And in school, teachers do use kind of similar practices to what I'm going to share today, which are about teaching children where they have an inside voice and when they have a loud, booming voice. But at school, they use a lot of routine. And so that's really helpful to embed these concepts because their classroom voice will be a certain kind of voice. And then when they go in the playground, they teach them that they have a different voice. But at home, that's a bit trickier. And you're gonna have to think of ways of fitting in some of the things that I share and how you do this consistently. But, you know, first and foremost, because honesty is one of the things that I really value here, Children are loud and you have to accept that sometimes your kids are going to be loud, particularly when they're together and they're running around and they're excited. And if you add more children to the mix, then you're going to get more noise, more excitement. It's going to get louder. And it's a byproduct of having children. One of the things that I think about is that these loud voices, as irritating and annoying as they are to us adults, especially when they're constant, it's also a sign of childhood. And childhood is a tiny, tiny phase of our lives. You know, think of how old you are and then subtract childhood. And I'm talking about early childhood. So like the first 10 years of your life. How many years in comparison have you been older? It's a tiny, tiny portion of our lives. And there is something to be grateful for, to appreciate about the fact that children are loud and bustling and full of energy. And, there's an and, both and, you can feel annoyed and irritated about it and want to find a solution to support your children in modulating their voice as soon as is possible. But just hold in mind, you know, realistic expectations because I wouldn't expect a three and a four-year-old to be able to modulate their voice. It's just developmentally not where they're going to be at. By the time your child is seven or eight, they will be able to do this and they'll do it much more automatically. It will become, like it is for you, something that just happens. And also, I'm going to add this here before I move on to some ideas and strategies. Some children are just naturally louder than others. They have a louder vocal tone. They are able to project their voices a bit further. And some children are naturally quieter. They are softer speaking. And those softer speaking, quieter children, often what we need to do and work on is helping them get their voices heard, helping them get louder so that people can hear the things that they have to say that are important. And with the kids who are loud, what we need to do is help them not diminish their voice, but just learn that their vocal tone can go down and the same things can be communicated. So let's begin. I'm gonna offer you a couple of strategies. Some of them are communication and they are for you because if we wanna teach our children something, we need to start with ourselves. And some others will be things that you have to try and put into practice 
into your every day and if you can't do that into your every week because if trying to teach your child vocal modulation is important to you and you don't want to wait until they're eight then you need to see these not as strategies that are a quick fix but as things that you embed into your every day to support your children Okay, so let's start with understanding. You need to understand why your child speaks loudly. So this is going to be unique for every child. But sometimes children do speak loudly because they're trying to get your attention and they feel like if they raise their voice, you won't be able to ignore them. Sometimes they won't be able to do anything other than have a very loud voice because they don't understand that the space or the context that they're in requires a lower volume. So that might be in a cafe or a restaurant. So particularly where there are sounds, other sounds and other noises around, children will tend to raise their voices because what they feel is that it's already a noisy space. So their voice has to go a little bit louder. Adults do this too, by the way. Finally, it might be that children don't realize how loud they're being. And this is most likely for children who are under five years of age. They don't realize that they're being loud. It's just their voice. And that's the voice that they have. And because they don't know how to change their vocal tone, they carry on. And little ones, particularly below the age of like six, um, really, really struggle to think about how noise might be impacting on others. It's both to do with empathy, which they haven't yet built up, but it's also to do with this idea of taking somebody else's perspective. Little ones can't take another's perspective. So what might be really loud and noisy for you may not feel like that for your child and they will not be considering how you're thinking or feeling because their brain is not developed to the point of being able to do that. They have no way of doing perspective taking. They have no way of empathizing with how you're feeling. And the idea of having like a consequence with that just doesn't make any sense to children. They just live in the here and now. They're living in that moment. And so when they're getting loud, particularly if it's over something exciting or fun or playful, they're in their own worlds. So the world that you're experiencing around them, those loud noises and shrieks, they're not things that are bothering your child because your child is just enjoying it in that moment through play. So particularly when it comes to play, it's really important to remember that children are not doing this to annoy you. They're not trying to wind you up. And it doesn't matter how often you've told them to not speak so loudly or shriek so loudly. If they're playing, they are completely immersed in a different dimension. And in that dimension, what you think, what you feel and how loud it is does not bother them. So it's really important that we sometimes acknowledge as adults which bits we are working on because it makes sense to try and support our children to modulate their voices, learn that there's an inside voice as an, and an outside voice, you know, a louder and quieter voices. But when it comes to things like play and enjoyment, if we interfere in those moments, it can one, create shame in our children. And two, to me, there's a lack of respect of what childhood is about. When children are playing and they're enjoying themselves, as adults, as loud as it can be, we either have to tolerate it, move to somewhere where we can tolerate it, or learn that when our children are playing in this kind of excited 
loud way, if we're struggling too much, we need to move them to a different space. So it might be outdoors. It might be, okay, it's time to go to the park and let them run off some energy. Or if you have a garden and you have that, like the benefit of outdoor space, opening the doors and letting them go outside. It doesn't matter if it's winter, kids don't tend to care. But do notice, you know, your needs are important. Your needs for quiet are really important. And your child's needs for play are also really important. And so interfering in those moments and telling children to quieten down is basically telling our children, your play is not okay. And we need to differentiate when children are coming to us and loudly asking for something, you know, mommy! And you're like, I'm right here. You don't need to talk so loud. And times when the loudness is part of the play. And in that case, that's a really difficult one to shift in that moment, in terms of interrupting or interfering, I would advise that you don't. Instead, I would advise that you think about what you need and how you can meet that need, which might mean going to a different room for a little bit, or like I said, you know, letting your child go outside for a bit. You know, really, really think about this because our needs as parents are really, really important. And we need to find a balance between our needs and our wants and the needs that our children have developmentally for things like playing and immersing themselves in their imaginary worlds. So for me, when we teach the idea of voice modulation, we need to do it outside of these moments, outside of these moments of play so that we can offer our child some guidance without fully interrupting what they're doing and without bringing any shame or any kind of idea that the play that they're doing is not okay or isn't valid. So I'm going to give you some small ideas that I hope you can embed into your everyday. And as always, pick and choose the things that you think might work for you and your family. I don't know you, so I don't know what's going to work for you. I can only share things that I know do work over time. Just remember, these are all things that need to be repeated consistently. These are not a one-off, okay? Vocal modulation is developmental, it takes time, and it's also a skill. And we can help our children develop it, but we need to know and acknowledge that it's not going to happen in just the first instance. So if you try any of the ideas I'm sharing today and they don't work the first time, they're not supposed to. They might not work until you've done them for months. So just remember, depending on your child's age, some of these things will take longer than others. Just take your time and remember, this is a part of childhood. It's not going to last forever. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Okay. 
First up, my big suggestion for you, first and foremost, is that you model changing your vocal tone. And I know the first thing that will probably come to your mind when I say this is, I already do this. I know, of course you do. And I want you to bring more conscious awareness of how and when you do talk in an inside quieter voice. So I'm going to give you some examples of times when both for me and I'm sure for other people, I don't think I'm unique, my voice gets louder without me even thinking about it. So one thing might be when I'm at home and I'm trying to get my partner's attention. I might be in a different place in the house from where my partner is and I'll just shout out for him. And I'm shouting, hey, can you get X, Y, and Z, please? Okay, so in that moment, I've chosen to raise my voice to get my partner's attention. And I can choose to model something different, which is to use my feet to go closer to my partner and say, hey, in a minute, can you bring me X, Y, and Z? Because I really need it. Thank you. And go back to wherever I was. Now, I know some of you will say, yeah, well, that doesn't work every time. Of course it doesn't. It's not about every single time. But just notice, when do you raise your voice in your home? Because if what you want is to teach your children that there is an inside voice and that voice is what you use in your home, you can't be raising your voice either. Otherwise, what you're saying to your child is, you're not allowed to raise your voice, but I am. And that doesn't make any sense to children. It's a very confused mixed message. Another example, any time that you are disciplining your child, that you are trying to teach them something, that they have got something wrong, that they're not listening to you, that they're not coming to the door to get ready, stop for a moment because I want you to think. What does your voice do in these moments? Does it get loud or does it remain an inside voice mode? For many people, at some stage or another, what happens is your voice gets loud. And again, if you want to teach your children that there is an inside voice, then you have to be the first and foremost role model to speak calmly and with an inside quiet tone, particularly in these moments where you feel like no one is listening to you. And again, you have to move your feet. You have to get closer to your child. You may have to take the coat to where your child is and speak to them in your inside voice. And this isn't just powerful modeling of what an inside voice sounds like. It also means that your child needs to quieten down in order to hear you. So one of the things that we are able to teach our children when we model our inside voice the same way that teachers do in the classroom is that we model the idea of listening to each other. We model the concept of silence. Okay, if you wanna hear somebody, but they're only talking in this kind of quiet inside vocal tone, you need to pay attention and you need to go quiet. If you're screaming and shouting and the other person is not raising their voice, to be heard, you have to quieten down, otherwise you can't hear what they're saying. This is why it's so powerful for you to be a really good model. And one of the things I want you to include in your modeling is to explicitly name things. So when you get it wrong, when your loud voice shows up and you're indoors, name it. Say to your child, oh, I've just lost my indoor voice. I can hear my outdoor voice. I just got really loud and we're not outside, are we? We're in the house. Okay, give me a moment. You do the breathing. Not your child, it's you, okay? Breathe. 
And then you might turn to your child and say, okay, I'm back with my inside voice. Ooh, sometimes it's tricky even for me to find my inside voice. Model it to your children. Explain it. Be explicit. You're going to shout down the stairs or across the corridor in your house. It's going to happen, okay? It happens to me. It's going to happen to you. But when you do and you are actively trying to teach this to your children, name it. I lost my inside voice. I used my outside voice. Okay, I need to tune myself down. Let me try this again. When you're able to model it and show your child what it looks like to get it wrong and fix it, you're going to be more likely to see your child do a similar thing the next time they notice that they've got an outdoor voice indoors. So just remember, you are the number one role model for your child. I say this all the time in pretty much every one of my podcasts, but it's true. And if you want your children to have indoor voices, you got to make sure that you keep an indoor voice as much as possible. My next strategy is incredibly powerful and you have to embed it, okay? This has to be embedded and it has to be something you're aware that you're trying to actively teach. So the idea of modulating voices, because it is a skill and it's something that develops over time and it takes a lot of practice, I think of it a bit like teaching your child to read or to write. You don't expect children to learn the alphabet the first time that you sing the alphabet song. You also probably don't expect your child to be able to read simple words like cat, hat, bat, the first time that they do it, or even the second time. You understand that it's going to take your time a long time to understand the phonological sound of every word once they've understood the whole alphabet, because first they have to understand the letters and recognize them, and to then put those things together and form the words that they see on the page and be able to read them. When we think about voice, I think what happens is, because it's very abstract, we forget that there are multiple steps to it. So there are multiple steps to it just like reading or writing or any other kind of skill. The first step is for your child to recognize that they have a voice and that it makes different sounds. So that's step one. They just need to recognize that their voice can go up and it can go down and become a tiny whisper. They need to be able to understand that and they need to be able to learn to hear the differences. Again, like learning the alphabet. It's not going to happen automatically the first time you do it. So here's a little game. You can play a game with a little dial, okay? You can use a dial like an old school radio or you can use a remote. It doesn't matter. Do it the way that feels right for you. What you want to do is play a game and it's a game. So remember, it's supposed to be fun and playful and most kids really enjoy this. And you call it whatever you want, but I like to think about it loud voices and quiet voices, or indoor voice, outside voice, okay? And I want you to include lots of silly things, like squeaky voices, you know, like squeak, squeak, okay? Or little ogre voices, little trolls or ogres or whatever you want to call them, okay? You want to make it fun and really silly. And what you want to do is get your child into understanding that they can play with their voice and it can get loud and it can get quiet and it can go squeaky and it can go booming and it can do all these different sounds just by changing how their mouth and they blow the wind through their throat. Now, this is really complicated. 
This is a really big skill. And to you as an adult, it'll feel like this is so easy. It is not. And one of the things that's really great about playing this game with little ones, particularly if they're around the age of three, is that you will notice that they find it really hard. And that I think is important because it might help you as an adult to recognize that your child is not doing this purposely. They simply cannot yet do this because modulating your voice is a skill. So play a game. I like to use things like cards or even like opening some books, opening it on a page and trying to create the voice of an elephant or a little mouse or a teddy bear or whatever it is. So if you've got some like cards, like memory cards with animals, they're great. I like to use them for this kind of thing as well. Shuffle them, pick a card and role play the sound the animal would make if they could speak. And you can call them, you know, loud voices, quiet voices, indoor, outdoor. So you might say, you know, if a little mouse is outside, what would their outside voice sound like? And what about inside? And you want to make it really silly and playful. And you can use the dial tone. So when your child is doing it, you might dial them down and go, let's say elephant indoor voice and see what happens. And your child can do it for you. Play around with it. If there's more than one child, it can be really great fun. You only need to do a few minutes at a time. But this to me is like step one. If your children can't tell the difference between their loud voice and their quiet voice, you telling them to quieten down means absolutely gobbledygook because they don't understand what you're asking them to do and they have never done that kind of exercise of changing their vocal tone. So you wanna practice and when we turn it into a game, it's great because firstly, it becomes safe for them to get really loud and to get really quiet and they learn quicker. Children learn through play. So let's do use that as a strength, as a way of getting to our children this idea of the concepts of loudness and quietness. So give this one a go, but remember, it needs a lot of practice. Now, my last suggestion for you, which is very effective, but I would recommend that you've had a little play with your children first, okay? Otherwise, this can feel a little bit harder. Go into contexts which are appropriate for loud voices and into contexts which are appropriate for quiet voices. So a really good quiet voice place, a library. When your children have been playing this game for a little bit, you might say to them, oh, I've got an idea. Let's go to the library. And did you know that in the library, we have to use our very quiet indoor voice. Get them to choose some books, read them to them in the library. Use your extra quiet indoor voice and show your child like first of all the quietness the silence but also the idea of their quiet indoor voice it can remain for a bit longer so you don't have to remain for hours in the library but you know a good 15 to 20 minutes and reading a book together is great the libraries are wonderful resources so it might also give you an opportunity to go to one if it isn't something that you usually do with your child and then make sure you have lots of opportunities of practicing loud voices in the garden, in the park, in places where what they're asked to do is get loud. So maybe you've got a little like music machine and you can play some music and what you can do is sing at the top of your voices. What you want to do is give your children the experience of I can get loud sometimes and it's acceptable and appropriate and there are times where I have to get quiet. 
and I can learn to do this. And it's really important that we practice this in different contexts. Restaurants and cafes are tricky, okay? We often do have to speak a little bit louder to get heard, particularly if it's in a busy environment. And so what often happens is that children get very loud voices. So just remember, it can be really difficult in those kinds of situations to tell your child to have an indoor voice because they won't feel like you can hear them. And the likelihood is that you won't be able to if they don't speak a little bit louder. And that is why this vocal modulation in spaces like the outdoors or places like libraries, which are really quiet, can be really helpful because it gives children the experience of the extremes and then slowly they will find their middle ground. So don't give up, just keep trying and repeating. Finally, my last note for you is that children sometimes use loud voices because it's also a release. Talking and, you know, allowing our voices out is also a way of releasing emotion. It's also a way of regulating our bodies. So if your child has been in places where their inside voice has been needed as a priority, I'm thinking here about school, things like that, or even your trip to the library, remember to offer them a safe place where they can let it all out. So after the trip to the library, you might remind your child after this, we can go to the playground and we can do our loud voices and you can let it all out. Same for after school. Lots of children need to be able to have their outdoor voices out of them. So make sure your child has a few minutes of outdoor time where they can run around either in a park or a garden or a green space and they can just let all that emotion, all the quietness that they've had to sustain for long periods of their day, they can let it out. It's really good for them. It's really regulating for their bodies and their nervous system. And don't see this as something that's bad. See it as something that is really appropriate in childhood because they need to be able to release that emotion from their bodies. And through their voices is a really easy, fast and effective way of doing so. And we're coming to an end. I always like to end on a little mantra to hold you for the rest of the week. This week, my mantra is very simple for you, but I want you to try and hold it. It's just breathe. Sometimes when things are frustrating, irritating, annoying, the only thing we need to do in the moment is breathe for us. We don't need to react or respond straight away. We can just take a moment to ensure that the choice we make next is the most effective and useful one in that moment. And when we can't do that, it's okay. We can repair. We're only human after all. I've just launched the Confident Parent course, which is over four hours long, but made up of short three to six minute videos about all the topics that people ask me the most, including sleep, fussy eating, challenging behaviours, what to do at bath times and bedtimes and with self-care such as toothbrushing or even going for medical visits. I also talk about sibling relationships, what to do when it's time to give up the dummy and things like transitions, moving home or having a new baby. If the course seems of interest to you, go to my website, www.drmartapsychologist.com, where you'll be able to see the full list of the content. For every video chapter, there's also a downloadable PDF with my own scripts, my own reminders, and things that you can also snapshot and keep on your phone. 
My hope for this course is that it's actually a companion to your parenting, not another chore that you have to do, but something that supports you through those periods where you are struggling. And if there's a topic in there that I haven't discussed and you'd like me to add, please let me know and I will be sure to add some future content because this course is going to evolve and grow alongside you. Thank you so much for joining me on another Talking Sense. I wish you a restful week and I look forward to seeing you next time. See you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.